We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. As we proceed through Pride Month, I'm going to address a topic today that I've dealt with numerous times on the rebellion, human identity. What does it mean to be a human being? Are we the Imago Dei or are we the Imago Dog? Who are we? I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's rebellion. There's a topic that I have addressed over and over again, to the point where some of you are smiling right now. Piper's one-string banjo. Imago Dei or Imago Dog. This, this should be language that is familiar to you, if you follow the rebellion at all. And I want to take today's show, and maybe one or two shows to follow, to dig into this issue a little bit deeper. It's so critical. It answers the question of who we are. Are we the image of God, or are we made in the image of an animal? That's why I say Imago Dei or Imago Dog. Or another way to look at it is, are we spelling God backward? D-O-G or G-O-D? Are we the Imago D-O-G or are we the Imago G-O-D? Human identity. It's the most important question of our existence. Who are we? What are we? And how do we know? How do we know? How can we answer these questions? So that's the topic of today's show. Who are we? What are we? How do we know? And how can we answer the question of human existence, of defining the human being? Everything else I talk about on this show rests on the answer to that question. Everything. The political debates, the moral debates, the ethical debates, Black Lives Matter, critical race theory, LGBTQ+, everything. Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, religious, non-religious, theism, atheism, everything rests on answering that question. So some of you, again, are smiling. He's going back to the Imago Dei, Imago Dog thing again, but let's talk about it with some greater specificity and greater depth today. Remember that if you would like to subscribe to The Rebellion, you can do so by going to patreon.com backslash D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R. One more time, patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper. And don't forget my books, Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth. One more time, Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth. And my most recent book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I will be right back in a couple minutes. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. The question of human existence. Imago Dei, Imago Dog, how do you spell God? D-O-G or G-O-D? Are we defining ourselves backward? 
so my premise here is this. I believe conservatives are called to conserve the things that matter. You've heard me say it before. We're called to conserve the environment, yes. Clean air, clean water. Hug a tree, hug an owl, hug a whale every once in a while. And I've, I'm saying that facetiously, obviously, with a smile on my face. But I do believe that it's our responsibility to be good stewards of the environment, to be good stewards of what God has given us. I don't think we should trash it. I think we should care for it. But we should care even more so for the truth, those things that matter in terms of the ideas that have stood the test of time. Conservatives conserve those truths. Conservatives have good debates. We argue. We wrestle with ideas. We trust the truth to be the judge. So when we're talking about human dignity and human identity, I think conservatives should work to reclaim the high ground of those definitions, of ultimately the question of human worth. So I think a direct and bold rebuttal to the lunacy of the politically correct trans arguments of our time, the LGBTQ plus arguments, I think a bold rebuttal to the lunacy of this is the conservative's obligation, because this stuff makes no sense. The LGBTQ agenda, the pride agenda, dumbs down the definition of human identity to little more than the the sum total of what we are inclined to do. You've heard me say it before. The LGBTQ argument defines the human being by saying your identity is the sum total of your inclinations. And critical race theory follows suit. Your identity is the sum total of intersections, intersectionality. So it divides rather than unifies human identity. Your inclinations, your habits, your passions, your anger, your victimization, your transsexual desires, and your intersectionality victimization defines you. And these are the seminal issues of our day. You can see it in the daily news. If we can't get the definition of what it means to be human right, then everything else will be wrong in the wake of our errors, of our inappropriate and inaccurate definitions of human worth, human identity, the human being. Now, again, as a conservative, I believe that we are morally culpable human beings. We can and do choose our actions. Our appetites and our desires don't define us. We can and we should rise above our instincts and our inclinations, sexual or otherwise. We can and should choose to behave differently than the way we want to. There are a lot of things we want to do that we should choose not to do. We can behave differently. For 5,000 years or thereabout, the Judeo-Christian tradition has affirmed that we are the Imago Dei. We're made in the image of God. We're not the Imago Dog. We're different than the animal. We're made in God's image. Salam Elohim. We are not animals. God's image. Bet Salam Elohim. God's image, the image of God. This is a worldview. And this worldview, this conservative worldview, is a worldview that conserves the time-tested truths of the Torah. 
of the biblical revelation of Genesis 1.27. It's the only worldview that elevates mankind to an objective good. All other worldviews, Darwinism, diminishes the value of the human being to nothing but the evolutionary product of um, an amoeba rising out of the swamp and eventually turning into you and me. And therefore, you have no more dignity than the dog, the pig, the cat, the cow, or the virus, or the amoeba, because you're just an evolved version of all of those things. So why would you have any moral worth above and beyond that? That's the unspoken reality of the secular worldview. But the biblical worldview elevates mankind to an objective good, and it stands in direct opposition to history's hell-bent determination to diminish men and women to little more than the products of this primordial swamp, this soup. And we're held bondage in this fantasy land of fitness. In other words, the survival of the fittest. And if you're fit, if you have enough intersectionality, then you are the Ubermensch. You are the Superman. You will survive and the others won't. That's the dangerous place we are right now. So why do I keep going back to Amago Day? Because Betzalem Elohim is the image of God. And it talks about our origin and our nature, Chuck Colson. Where do we come from and what are we like? What, what does it mean to be a human being? Are we merely products of the primordial ooze? Are we the end result of the survival of the fittest? Are we merely happenstance and chance? And therefore, we have no moral significance above that of an animal, the dog, the pig, the cat, the cow, the rat. What, what is moral culpability? If you're nothing but an evolved version of all of those things that I just described, then why would you have any moral responsibility that they don't have? Are we somehow different than all the rest of what we see around us? Well, we know we are. Why do we believe in justice, for example? My dogs don't believe in justice. My horses don't believe in justice. My cows don't believe in justice. Why do we care about civil rights? Again, the animals on my ranch, on my farm here, don't care. They don't argue about these things. They don't raise an eyebrow to your arguments or mine. Why are we indignant when we see something that we consider to be wrong? Do you get my point? Don't we stand alone? Don't we stand alone as the only beings that even care about tolerance and love and inclusion and equality and fairness? Again, cows don't argue about these things. Why is rape wrong? Why is slavery something to be reviled? Why isn't greed good rather than bad? Why was the Holocaust a bad thing? We've got to answer these questions. Again, I repeat myself. Imago dog, the image of the dog, animals, they don't care. It's only the Imago Dei, Betzalim Elohim, that cares about these things. We're told in the Jewish Torah, for example, that a fool says in his heart, there is no God. We're also told that we are image bearers of that God. And what does that mean for our time and our culture? And what does this mean for education and for government and for law and for liberty? 
Again, who are we and what is our nature? The answer to these questions, the answers to these questions serve as the necessary predicate for how we define government and build culture and raise our families. Defining the human being is the starting point for all of this. All of this and any subsequent claims on human responsibility and human guilt, the argument for reparations, Black Lives Matter demands for justice, all of this assumes the dignity of the human being. All of it does. But they saw off the branch upon which they sit and then they take the lumber and burn it. And there's nothing left of their worldview because they were lying to themselves. If you fail at this first thing of the definition of what it means to be human, everything else, everything else collapses. Thomas Jefferson said this, We, are, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights. Oh, some will say, yeah, but Thomas Jefferson had slaves and he didn't measure up to his own words. Well, big surprise. Do you? Do I? Do we always measure up to the words that we hold dear? No, we fall short. And I'm sick and tired of us diminishing these words because Thomas Jefferson was a flawed human being. He believed this. He wrote this. The other founding fathers championed this and they pledged their life and their liberty and their wealth, their sacred honor, their lives to fight for a constitutional republic called the United States of America. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and that they're endowed with by their creator with certain unalienable rights. John Stott said this, as far as the Bible is concerned, there is no such phenomena as a homosexual or a heterosexual. We are all made in the image of God. So you get back to the transgender, the LGBTQ plus argument, and there's no such thing as a homosexual or a heterosexual. We're just image bearers of God who choose homosexual behaviors or heterosexual behaviors. Like Gore Vidal said, there is no more such thing as a homosexual person than there is a heterosexual person. These are behavioral adjectives. Michel Foucault said we are creating a false false species or and hermaphrodism. These guys were pagans. They were secularists. They engaged in behavior that I don't agree with, but they understood the definition of what it mean, meant to be human. The difference between a being and a behavioral adjective. So the question is, are you a being or are you an adjective? That's an important question. Are you a being or are you an adjective? And if you're nothing but an adjective, we're in trouble. We're in deep trouble. Rosaria Butterfield said this. This is a good one. Listen to this. We are struggling in a world that has falsely declared sexual orientation to be a true moniker of personhood. I really don't like using the language that would suggest that there is such a thing as a gay person or a lesbian person or a bisexual person. Those who have same-sex desires are really not a separate category of personhood. 
Although that very much is what the LGBT rights movements want you to believe, the category of sexual orientation was really invented in the 19th century. It's not a biblical category. Homosexuality and heterosexuality, they are verbs. What people do. This is, these are not nouns. These are not what people are or who people are. They're adjectives or they're verbs. Rosaria Butterfield. So you're not defined by your desire. That's why I keep talking about Omago Day, Omago Dog. When you accept the definition of the person as being gay or trans or queer or black or white, you know, I'm not just talking about sexuality. When your being is defined by something that is not within the singular category of Imago Dei, you're dividing the human being into categories that are in opposition to one another. And that is essentially doing the exact opposite of what the Apostle Paul told us to do when he said the hand cannot say to the foot or the eye, I have no need of you. You can't divide the body. Solomon, you cut a living thing in half and it dies. So if you start these arguments that you're defined by your desires or you're defined by your victimization or your vices, then you accept the definition and you've just admitted that you think those who have given appetites or inclinations or intersections are actually defined by those things. And you're admitting that you think that's just who they are. And that's the ultimate insult to God and God's creation. Again, we are not defined by our desires or our bellies or our libido. We are not animals. We are human beings, and we have free will in our behaviors. My friend Jim Garlow has said this. No persons should ultimately define themselves by their sin or proclivities. We are not homosexuals or heterosexuals. We are the creation of God. We are all to be defined by the image of God and the one for whom Jesus died. You're the one for whom Jesus died. You're the image of God for whom Jesus died. There's another guy that you should read. His name is Daniel Matson, And he wrote a book, and the title is, Why I Don't Call Myself Gay. Great book. He says this, Central to my thesis is that it is a mistake for anyone to say that he is gay, lesbian, or any other sexual identity label currently in vogue today. I view these as graffiti painted on the side of the Holy of Holies which deface human dignity and mock the image of God, created as male and female. Close quote, Daniel C. Matson. Glenn Stanton says this, People are more than their sexuality. To identify people principally by their sexuality is to reduce people to their sexuality. We should all reject this with great force. A person's inherent and or undeniable value is rooted in his membership in humanity, not his particularity, sexual or otherwise, full stop. 
Now, he just jumped into the other category of Black Lives Matter and critical race theory. Did you hear what he said? A person's inherent and undeniable value is rooted in his membership in humanity, not his particularity, sexual or otherwise. Your inherent value is not your sexuality, and it's not your race. It's not your gender. It's not the color of your skin. It's not whether you're white or black or Asian or native. It doesn't matter. Your particularity is not your inherent value. Your undeniable value is rooted in the membership in humanity. Like Vody Bakum says, there's one race, only one race. It's the human race. Again, full stop. Even Pope Francis, whom a lot of us disagree with on a lot of things, has said this. It's idolatry when a man or woman loses his or her identity card as a child of God and prefers to seek a God more to their own liking. That's idolatry. You're looking in the mirror and you're declaring yourself to be as God rather than accepting the fact that there is a God who has created you. And you are in his image, yes, but you're not that God. I've argued over and over again that we're lying to ourselves so consistently that we're losing our minds and selling our souls. M. Scott Peck calls this the diabolical human mind. Graham Walker calls it the pathology of the intellect. St. Paul calls it the reprobate mind. If we don't know who we are, we are inevitably going to lose our ability to even think. St. Augustine warned of this. He called it the fantastica fornicatio. Fantastica fornicatio, the prostitution of the mind, to its own fantasies, like gender theory, or critical race theory, or critical legal theory, or critical theory in general. These are all lies. The lie is the biggest when we lie to ourselves. Our denial is the big lie. Sexual sin or any other sin ranks up there at the top precisely because it opens the door to other capital sins of pride and avarice and anger. There's a reason that the LGBTQ agenda preceded the CRT agenda, because sexual sin opens the door. It's so aggressive. It's so pernicious. It opens the door to all the other capital sins, such as pride and avarice and anger, and that kind of sloth that includes mental laziness. Peter D. Boilo. Peter D. Boilo. This is this is a revival, really. It's a Gnostic revival. It's the old-time religion. It's 2,000 years old. It's the elevation of the subjective over the objective. Nothing is new in this argument. It's all just repackaged Gnosticism, claiming to have some sort of special understanding, gnosis, this is 
how we elevate ourselves above all others because we're smarter than the rubes that lack gray matter in the hinterlands, right? You've heard this. We elevate ourselves to be as God and we diminish everyone else to the status of chattel and we disrespect them. We dis disrespect their human worth. Women, for example, they have no rights any longer because they're not even real. Liberty is lost, freedom is lost, because we diminish the value of the human being. This is why I've argued so persistently for the Imago Day. This is why I have consistently juxtaposed it with the Imago Dog. This is why I'm talking today about the question, are we spelling God backward? Are we made in the image of God, G-O-D, or are we arguing somehow that we're made in the image of the dog, D-O-G? Which is it? We have ontological dyslexia in many ways because the reality that we've constructed is backwards. It's backwards to the dignity that God himself has granted us. This is a very important question for our time. The ontological and anthropological assumptions behind labeling any person or group, labeling any person or group by their desires or by their particularities is purely and simply illogical and unbiblical to the core. Chuck Colson said it over and over again. If you get the first question wrong, then everything that follows will be wrong too. And the first question of human identity must be grounded in the biological facts and, and God's revelation, not in social constructs, human categories, particularities, human rationalization, and human arrogance. If we don't get those first things right, everything else tumbles. And even the church becomes a house of cards. Our confusion, confusion, excuse me, our confusion about human identity is a modern form of the ancient philosophy of Gnosticism. The Gnostics thought that they knew the secret of who I really am. They thought they had the answer, and it was a very ugly worldview that diminished and disparaged the body and elevated the elites above everybody else. Sound familiar? It denies the ultimate reality of the natural world. Sound familiar? The old-time religion of Gnosticism is alive and well today. That's why, folks, we need to take this question seriously. Who am I? What am I? What is my responsibility? How am I going to fix the problem? We've got to answer these questions rightly. Otherwise, our culture will burn. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.